Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Israel Travel Podcast, your hopefully soon-to-be number one resource for information, insights, advice, reviews, and recommendations about travel to and around, you guessed it, Israel, the Holy Land, everyone's bucket list destination in the Middle East, in the whole world, really. On this next episode, Whitney and I are going to be talking about something that you may have heard about a little bit, but maybe you aren't as familiar with it as others might be. But if you're going to Israel, you need to be familiar with this day. It happens every week. You're inevitably going to have to deal with it when you're planning a trip to Israel and around the country. I'm talking about the Sabbath or what they call in Israel or in Hebrew, Shabbat. Before we do that, let me just welcome my co-host, Whitney O'Halleck. How are you doing, Whitney? Hey, I'm good. Good, good. And Whitney and I are actually on, not only in different locations, but literally around the world from one another. Whitney- (laughs) Different uh, continent. Different continents. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Different time zones, everything. Whitney, where are you right now? I mentioned before that I'm DC based, but my husband is from Pittsburgh. And so right now we're in Pittsburgh for the week and coming at you from the Steel City. It's summertime right now, so the skies are less steel gray, a little bit more blue, which is nice. Well, I can probably one-up you on the summertime thing. I am actually in Egypt right now. So I think last time when we recorded, I was at my home in Spain, but I think I also mentioned that I work in Egypt. I have a tourism company in Egypt, in addition to the company that Whitney and I run together in Israel, Elevation Journeys. So I have been unexpectedly on a work trip back to Egypt. And so that's where I'm recording this latest episode from. But we're not here to talk about Egypt. We're here to talk about Israel and specifically Shabbat in Israel. So Whitney, what is Shabbat? I think a lot of people have heard about it, but maybe people have some general idea what it is. We're going to talk about specifically what it means for you in planning travel to Israel. But Whitney, what is Shabbat? I think you probably know better than I do how to explain it. So the Sabbath or Shabbat, like John said in Hebrew, is everybody who went to church knows that God rested on the Sabbath day or the seventh day. And in Hebrew, it's called Shabbat. And it still happens every Saturday. Their last day of the week, Saturday, is their holy day. And it's when they basically are not allowed to do anything. They're not allowed to work. They're not allowed to travel, which includes just getting in their car to go to the store. They're supposed to basically rest, which is nice. It's nice to have a true day of rest. But for visitors to Israel, it makes things a little bit more complicated because it does happen every week. And so I'm not Jewish, but when I travel to Israel, I also have to kind of rest on the Sabbath day. Or you kind of have, have no choice in Israel. <laughs> you kind of have no choice. And there's just some things to be aware of for visitors to Israel because it happens every week. And it's also really important to people there. It's not just kind of like, you know, in the West, we have Sunday. That's our day of rest. And sometimes businesses close, sometimes they don't. Sometimes people go to church, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they take it seriously, sometimes they don't. In Israel, it's a little bit more hardcore. Even the government gets involved and public sector entities get involved in resting on the Sabbath. So it's a really important concept. And that's why we thought this would make a great singular topic for an episode. It's that important. Exactly. Because as you said, even public transportation is not running on Saturdays or even Friday nights. So the timing for people to be aware of is that the Jewish day begins at sundown. So the Sabbath begins on our Friday night when the sun sets. 
So just to be aware that you need to be where you're going to be on a Friday evening. You can't take the bus or grab an Uber or a taxi. The Muslim taxi drivers are still out, but there's fewer of them because anybody who takes a taxi is going to be needing a Muslim taxi driver. So just in your planning, you need to be where you're going to be before sundown on Friday night. And then Saturday, it's usually best to already know what's going to be open, take for granted that things are going to be closed, make sure that you can walk to the things that you want to do. It's just important to be aware of Shabbat when you're planning a trip to Israel. And we hope this podcast makes you feel a little bit more prepared because if you are totally caught off guard, you're going to be disappointed. And you really don't need to be disappointed in a trip to Israel. You need to really be able to enjoy it. I know it's not exciting, but preparation is really key (laughs) when it comes for visitors in Israel. The point you bring up of timing is a really, really good one, because for most of us in the West, when we think of the Sabbath, or we think of any day, we think of that day beginning with waking up in the morning and getting the day started, and then whatever's going to happen on that day happens on that day. But in Israel and with Shabbat, like you said, Whitney, their Sabbath, in other words, their Sunday is Saturday. but it really begins on Friday. So like Whitney was saying, you have to start planning essentially your weekend around the Sabbath, which starts on Friday night at sundown. And that's something that I think, even if you do a little bit of research sort of on the surface and you say, okay, I got it. The Sabbath is Saturday and prepare for it. And then you show up to a bus stop on Friday night and the whole thing shut down. And you're like, what? I thought I prepared for this. No, it it goes a little bit deeper than that. So that point about timing, I think is a really good one that you made. And so Actually, can you tell us again, because I think it's an important one, when does Shabbat begin and when does life resume again? Shabbat begins at sunset on Friday, but it's important to also know that a lot of businesses are going to close around two or three. They're not going to be open all the way till sunset because people need to get home and they need to prepare their meal, their Shabbat meal. So things are going to start closing around two or three. And then any Jewish company, any Jewish run transportation or anything is not going to start up again until Sunday morning because Sabbath technically ends at sundown on Saturday night, but but you're not going into work after sundown on a Saturday night, you know? So just plan to have everything ready and organized how you need it to be from sunset on Friday until I would say sunrise on Sunday. Yeah, that's actually really good advice. I was even thinking in my head, sunset to sunset, but you're absolutely right. Now that I think about it, yeah, they do start closing earlier because they want to be home by sunset. They want to be, especially the people who are ultra-religious and really strictly adhering to what they believe is the core principles of Shabbat and their religion is once Shabbat begins, once the sun goes down, they stop doing a lot of things, including literally, and I'll talk about this later, but they won't even press an elevator button to go up a floor to their apartment or something like that. So that's a good point. They do start closing businesses early so they can be home by the beginning of Shabbat, which is sundown on Friday. And then Yeah. I mean, why would you come into work at 7, 8 p.m. on a Saturday night? They're going to just keep the businesses closed. A lot of them. You know, there are businesses that open up, you know, things sometimes like restaurants, for example, or some entertainment venues and things like that. You can go, you know, out and have a nice Saturday night. But the office isn't going to open up on Saturday night. You know, many other businesses, ultra-Orthodox businesses are probably not going to open up on Saturday night. So that's a really good point. There's sort of Shabbat, the strict hours, sunset to sunset, and then Shabbat, the extended hours, mid-afternoon on Friday through Sunday morning, essentially. I hadn't thought about that before, but that's a really good point. 
So just to kind of put things in perspective for what Jews are not allowed to do on Shabbat. So they're not allowed to do any cooking. So when you are at a hotel and your hotel includes breakfast, but it's a Saturday, there's not going to be a hot breakfast for you at the hotel. It's going to be like cold cuts, things that can be room temperature. And the reason businesses close early on Fridays is so people can cook so that they can cook to have food for the weekend because they're not allowed to cook on Saturday. Also, they're not allowed to check their cell phones. One of the tour guides that I went around with in Israel, I had a question and I wasn't even thinking about what day it was. John and I are entrepreneurs and we just work all the time. But um, so I had texted her. (laughs) What is a weekend? (laughs) So I had texted her a question on, I think for her, it would have already been Friday night. But for me, it was Friday morning because I was in DC and she was in Israel. And then I did not hear from her until Sunday afternoon. <laughs> so if you have any pressing questions for your tour guides, they are not going to answer on Shabbat. Also, they're not allowed to drive. And another one of the tour guides that I had was talking about how she doesn't take as many tours as she would like because she celebrates Shabbat. So she doesn't drive doesn't give tours, nothing on Shabbat. And a lot of times tour companies want somebody for the whole week, which includes a Saturday and a Friday night. And she mentioned to me, oh, yes, because we're not allowed to travel. And I was like, well, I'm not on a plane or anything (laughs) on Saturday. And she meant just driving in a car, like literally driving to the store or driving to meet somebody to give a tour. Like you're just not allowed to even get in your car and drive anywhere. I mean, you know that these things are things that they adhere to. They're following the rules. They're not working on Saturday, but it really extends to every aspect of their life. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And it reminds me of something that I want to give a shameless plug for. And that's, you know, I've mentioned several times now that Whitney and I run a travel company ourselves in Israel called Elevation Journeys. And one of the benefits of traveling there with us is number one, we will text you back on Shabbat. <laughs> Neither one ever I for sure will. <laughs> um, we'll probably text you back in the middle of the night. You don't have to worry about that with us. And the other thing is, like Whitney mentioned, a lot of tour companies will put you with the same guide for your whole trip. And that's one way of doing things. I think the way we prefer doing things is letting you meet more people along the way. So maybe we'll have two, sometimes even three guides on a 7, 10, 14 day trip. We can put you with one if you want it. But what we would personally recommend is sort of trust us to introduce you to a couple of guides who can, you know, maybe one who specializes in the Christian sites, one who specializes in sites in the Palestinian territories, one who specializes in Jewish sites and things like that, one who specializes in even something like walking tours of Tel Aviv or graffiti tours or food tours or things like that. But yeah, that is a thing that a lot of companies will do is they will, I hate to say it, but essentially they're, they're sort of discriminating against religious Jewish tour guides because they don't want to work on their holy day. They take it very seriously. And these companies want them to work for a 7, 10, 14 day trip straight through. And so that tends to be a problem. And I think hopefully it's one of the reasons that people like working with us more, uh, that we respect things like that. But also I think it makes for a better trip for you to get to meet more people, more perspectives, backgrounds, you know, just more friends. When you leave Israel, you have more friends there. Yeah, I definitely agree. I actually had a Jewish guide who does not keep Shabbat, who took me around Tel Aviv or, well, Jaffa, Old City, Jaffa on Shabbat, because that was the time that I was there. And it's the time that I had. And I really was having a hard time finding a God. And when he said that he could take me, I was like, 
even if this is scraping the bottom of the barrel, at least I've got somebody. But he was the best guide that I think I had my whole time because he just had such a knowledge of everything and a perspective on everything. I could ask him any question. He was not offended by anything, <laughs> you know, because I, I really want to get the nitty gritty. So we went all over Jaffa and he was talking also about I keep Shabbat in some ways, but in others, I'm a little bit more relaxed. And so there are guides who are Jewish who don't necessarily keep all of the Shabbat rules. So we try to match you with guides that are giving the best tours, but also we kind of take care of the logistics on making sure you have a guide on Shabbat, making sure that you understand that things are going to be closed so that you kind of have an appreciation of Shabbat. And meeting other guides kind of gives you that multiple perspective of Jewish guides who keep Shabbat, Jewish guides who don't keep Shabbat. You know, I think that's a really good point, too, because not only do you want to meet just more people in Israel when you're visiting, but people from different backgrounds. It's important to get the perspective of the religious Jews. It's important to get the perspective of the secular Jews. It's important to get the perspective of Christian Israelis, of Muslim Israelis. It's actually, I mean, it's a huge benefit to be able to hear from someone who lives there and for whom this is really important. This is their life, why they would go to such extremes to observe a religious tradition and and rearrange their entire life, their family's life, their schedule, their way of life around this one day. But yeah, it's something that, I mean, I don't know, Whitney, did people used to observe Sunday to this level back in the day, you think like a hundred years ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The grocery stores in America used to be closed on Sunday. You, You couldn't buy alcohol on Sunday. And actually, when my husband lived in France in the early 2000s, they still, it's very Catholic in France and they, nothing was open. You just like, mm-hmm. you took a picnic out in the park and that's what you did on Sunday for lunch, you know, because you couldn't go to a restaurant because they were closed. I don't think it's quite like that anymore in France or in other countries, but there are still places where Sunday is observed, maybe not quite with the ferocity as Shabbat in Israel, but I think probably, especially in the South, there's a lot of restaurants and businesses that are closed on Sundays. However, you can pretty much in America count on the tourist sites to be open on a Sunday. And in Israel, you can't take that for granted. You can't just plan to go to a museum because, of course, it's a museum. It's a tourist site. Why wouldn't it be open on the weekend? Because it's Shabbat. (laughs) It's not going to be open. They're not going to close the pyramids on Friday. (laughs) Friday is the Muslim (laughs) holy day. And actually, that's another good point is that you do have many Muslims in Israel proper. There are many Muslim Israelis, Arab Israelis. And then some of the places you want to go see are over on the Palestinian side, which is Muslim. And so it's important to realize, too, there may be some things closed on Friday, which is their Shabbat, the Muslim Shabbat. But generally here in Egypt and in the Palestinian areas, they're not as extreme about it as businesses are and places are and people are in Israel who are Jewish. And, you know, like we mentioned already, even government services And even government services that you would think would be operating seven days a week do shut down, like public transportation. And so that's actually a good segue, I think, into the next thing that we want to talk about is, you know, how does this concept of Shabbat and the practice of it and the implementation of it in Israel impact you as a foreign visitor? And how does it impact travel to and around Israel? And so let's go through a couple of things you need to keep in mind when you're planning travel to Israel, especially over Shabbat. Now, let me just say this too. Don't let us scare you. You don't need to go to Israel for five days and then leave and then come back. We work around this and it will give you many ways too that you can, things you can do on Shabbat 
that are going to make your itinerary and your travel there seem like it didn't even happen. You don't even have to worry about it. There are ways and strategies to plan around it. It's just a reality of life on the ground in Israel and travel to and around Israel. And we'll help you with that. But again, we just want to make sure you're aware of this. We want to scare you first, and then we want to comfort you <laughs> that, telling you how to do it right. So we just want you to be prepared. We don't necessarily need you to be afraid. We just need you to be prepared. And well, we'll be prepared for you, but it's just good to know that it's going to happen. And everybody works around it. People travel on Saturdays in Israel all the time. There are things to do, but just know that there's not everything to do. Yeah. So a couple of things you need to keep at the fore of your mind are like Whitney mentioned earlier, most businesses close on Shabbat. And when we say on Shabbat, we mean they're closed for Shabbat sundown, but they start closing or some even outright close earlier in the day on Friday. So remember, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday is technically Shabbat, the Sabbath in Israel. But you're going to probably have to start, basically, you have Friday morning, early Friday afternoon, and then you need to plan some alternative things to do, which we'll go into a little bit later, for the rest of Friday, Saturday, and then wake up on Sunday again, and you can start your week. So in addition to businesses being closed, some restaurants close. Now, not all. And we should say, too, that there's going to be a huge difference in the implementation and observation of Shabbat between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Jerusalem is going to be more on the extreme side, Tel Aviv, the opposite end of the spectrum, and other cities in and areas of Israel, somewhere in between. The more religious, the more orthodox they are, the more conservative they are, the more they're going to observe Shabbat, the more things are going to be closed during this time. The more secular, the closer to Tel Aviv, the less you're going to have to worry about it. And you are going to find, for example, many restaurants open in Tel Aviv, even during the day on Saturday. You can go brunch on Saturday. You don't have to worry about it in Tel Aviv. But don't expect to be able to go out and have many options in downtown Jerusalem, for example. So in addition to businesses, restaurants, like Whitney also mentioned, the tourist sites, the museums, things like that, either close or have modified hours. So you really need to check those if you're planning travel there on your own, because you might show up to the museum and be surprised with the doors closed there and not be able to do that. And maybe that's your last day in Jerusalem and you were going to go to that museum or you were going to go to that site and you didn't realize you needed to plan around it and you show up and it's closed and that was the only chance you had to go because you can't go tomorrow. This is why it's really important to know and plan for this stuff. Yeah, that planning and prep work is important exactly for that reason. And just for example, Yad Vashem is the Israel Holocaust Remembrance Museum, and they are closed entirely on Saturdays. They also close early on Fridays. So if you want to go to that museum, you really need to plan to go when they're open, which is not going to be on or around Shabbat. In contrast, the Israel Museum in Jerusalem closes early on Friday, but they are open modified hours on Saturday, which I found a little bit surprising, but I assume they just have Christian or Muslim people working on Saturday. So check the hours for everything that you want to do on Shabbat just to make sure. You might be a little bit surprised, but it's better to be surprised that it's open than surprised that it's closed. Yeah, good point. The other thing Whitney also mentioned was, and this is a big one which tour guides, which drivers, which staff you might have working with you on your trip around Israel can vary depending on whether or not they observe it strictly or whether or not they're more secular or whether or not they're a different religion. You're not going to have a problem with Christian or Muslim tour guides or staff being unavailable on Shabbat, but there are many Jewish tour guides, even people who appear more secular, but that's one thing, you know, that's one tradition 
that they choose to observe more strictly for various reasons. Some people feel I don't necessarily do it for a religious reason, but I think it's just sort of good work-life balance practice. I'm going to take one day and I'm going to rest and I'm not going to go out and I'm not going to work and I'm not going to go out and do things. I'm just going to dedicate it to myself or to my family or to my mental health or to my whatever. The easiest day and most convenient day to do that, even if you're not religious, is Shabbat. And so you'll find that the availability of people to work with and availability of people and personnel in the tourism industry does vary depending on their beliefs and their lifestyle and things like that. The other big one, the big one that surprises most people, I think, is public transit. And we've talked about this a couple of times already, but you know, many people would think, okay, it's a government service. This isn't a private business. This isn't individuals. It's the government. It's public transit. It's the buses. It's the trains. It's everything in the public transportation system across Israel. Now, this doesn't mean the airport shuts down, for example. You'll still find flights landing and things like that. But you might not be able to get a train or a bus from the airport or a bus from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem or a bus to the north of of the country or something like that. So this is a serious one that people need to keep in mind and plan around and know or consult people who know how this affects travel in Israel. Because the thing is, I think the government doesn't want to force people to work on Shabbat. If they said that all the buses have to be running seven days a week, then that would force people to choose between, okay, well, either I've got to work for the bus system or I've got to not because they're going to make me work on Shabbat. So it's a big thing. And the government supports people taking off for Shabbat and they try to to cater to that and to accommodate it. And so that just means many public services and public transit are not available during those times. And that said, it is a strategy that you could employ to make Shabbat your travel day as far as flying in or flying out. It does take a little bit more legwork to like make sure that you have a driver or make sure that you have a way to or from the airport. Just know that you're not going to be able to take the public transportation, but there will be taxis available. As I mentioned before, there may be fewer taxis available, but there will be something. But if you want to make this a travel day, it is a strategy to do that if you cannot handle the rest. (laughs) <laughs> like like a lot of Americans, like, what do, what do you mean you rest? You just don't do anything. You know? <laughs> so if you want to make it a travel day, you can. You just, as John said, you just have to make sure that you have transportation planned in advance. And as Whitney said, and I don't want to sound judgmental on this. I'm just, I want to express though, how much it surprises people, including myself. This is probably the biggest surprise that I found the first time I went to Israel. Sometimes I forget when I go back and I'm like, why is this not working? I don't know if you felt this way too the first time you saw this, but the funniest thing to me is that some people are so dedicated. Maybe that's a better way to put it. They're dedicated to observing this tradition that they won't even press the button on the elevator to go up. If you're staying in a hotel, if you're in an apartment building, you live in an apartment, they consider pressing the button on an elevator work that is prohibited on Shabbat. And so all across Israel, And even if you go into some places in the U.S., like in some, I've seen in some hotels in New York, for example, or in South Florida, they would have a Shabbat elevator. Every tall building in Israel, every hotel with an elevator is going to have a Shabbat elevator. And what that is, is an elevator that is programmed from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday to stop at every single floor. So that if you're staying there and you strictly observe Shabbat to this level, you don't even have to press the elevator button for the floor you're going to. You just walk on. It goes to every floor. Maybe from the seventh floor. Yeah, you have to stop at seven floors, but you get off on the seventh floor and you haven't violated your religious principles. 
That was the probably most surprising thing about Shabbat for me in Israel. Did you see that when you've been there, Whitney? You actually pointed that out to me. We were checking out a hotel and you pointed out the sign that said this was a Shabbat elevator. And so I'm like, I had no idea what that meant. Like, what do you mean it's a Shabbat elevator? And then you explained it to me and I was like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. But then I thought, are they allowed to open the door to come out of their room? Like I was starting to get really technical about it in my brain. So. <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange for us because it's new. We don't have anything to that extreme in our belief system. And I don't know, maybe some people do. I don't know. But you see things like that, but it's surprising to us. And sometimes, honestly, it's it's almost a little bit comical. But on the other hand, you got to admire that level of dedication. Can you imagine what anybody in the U.S.? dedicate themselves that much to a belief to where they're not answering their cell phone or pressing the elevator button. I think especially checking their cell phone. I think most people would go straight to hell if that were, a, if that were that would be their choice. Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I probably shouldn't laugh at that. But just as an example, as a, a true to life example. So I worked in a restaurant as a, a side thing in DC when I was living by myself and trying to make rent and everything I had like three jobs. And one of them was as a waitress at a, like a fancy restaurant and Sunday was their busiest day. And that's when people would make the most tips. But I told them when I started, it's really important to me to not work on Sunday because whether I worked the lunch shift or the dinner shift, it was going to conflict with my church services. So they looked at me like I was bananas. <laughs> they were like, you are giving up brunch and Sunday dinner tips. Like they, they thought that I didn't quite understand what that meant. <laughs> But they, I mean, they didn't really understand what church meant to me. So there's something in your life that you take very, very seriously. And this is one thing in a practicing Jewish person's life that they take very, very seriously. And that's why we with Elevation Journeys want to honor that, but also have you have as little inconvenience as possible. So we're going to do our best to make sure that we honor Shabbat for you, for your trip and for the people who we work with but also so that you can do things. And so we'll go into some of the things that you actually can do. I know we've talked a lot about what you can't do, but we will talk about the things that you can do on Shabbat. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's actually go ahead and do that. So we've taken a while to scare people and now let's actually bring them back in and tell them why it's actually not that bad at all to deal with. There's ways, there's strategies to plan around it. And that's actually a really good plug for why you need people who know how to do this, who know where to have you in the country positioned on this day and at these times so that you aren't missing out, so that you're not inconvenienced, so that it almost passes as if you don't even notice it. Whitney, what can you do on Shabbat? We've heard everything you can't do, everything you shouldn't do, everything they don't do. But what can a visitor to Israel who doesn't observe these practices doing Shabbat and make use of their time with. So one of my favorite things to do just in general is be outside. And guess what? The outside is open on Shabbat. So if there's a hike that you wanted to do, if there is a, like the Valley of Allah where David and Goliath fought, that's outside. <laughs> you can just go. <laughs> uh, so as long as you have a driver. So just being outside, taking a hike, going to the beach, especially if you're in Tel Aviv, hang out at the beach all day, just make it a beach day. That can also be your day of rest, resting at the beach. Those are all great things. Taking a walking tour. I took a walking tour on Shabbat with a 
I guess I would say a cultural Jew. He grew up Jewish in Israel. And so there was the whole perspective of this is why other people practice Shabbat. And also this is why I don't. He pointed out that there's no cars on the road. So it's really very convenient to be walking around, taking a bike. You can go for a bike ride. They have bikes you can rent in Tel Aviv. Another good thing to do is make this a Dead Sea day. So like a day trip. So if you're staying in Jerusalem for all or most of your trip, it might just be best to get out of Jerusalem. So take a day trip to the Dead Sea, go to Masada. You could go up to Nazareth, which is the, how do I say this correctly? What's the right combination of words? The most Muslim, most Arab city in Israel is Nazareth. And so there's going to be restaurants open. There's going to be sites open. The churches will be open that are over Mary's house and over Joseph's workshop are going to be open. And Golan Heights, Galilee is largely Christian sites because that's where Jesus did most of his miracles. So those are all good day trips to take, good places to go, good things to be doing. And as we mentioned before, some things are open. So check the museum hours if there's a museum that you want to go to. See if it's open on Shabbat and save it for that day. Save going to the Israel Museum for Shabbat because you know it's going to be open if you're in Jerusalem and you don't have access to a car or you don't want to take a day trip. So just do a little bit of legwork on Googling hours or just let us take it on for you and plan your whole trip. Those are all things that you can do and ways to find out what there is to do. Google is your friend. John, what are some things that you have been able to do on Shabbat? Well, honestly, I like your, I think it was your first suggestion, the best. I, in travel planning anywhere in this region, am a huge proponent of people planning a rest day. People don't realize how exhausting travel can be. I see so many people come here to Israel, to Egypt, to Jordan, and they just think, oh, I'm going to power through it. I'm great. We're fit. We travel a lot. We're, we're experienced. We've done this a lot. And you don't realize, a couple of things can happen. Number one, you don't realize some of these sites some of these places that you go here are physically exhausting. They require exertion. And you do this all day in the hot suns a lot of times. And you don't realize how much energy the sun zaps out of you and how tired you're going to be at the end of the day and how tired you're going to be halfway through a trip. So I really think that planning a rest day in the middle of a trip is a really smart idea, not only from the physical perspective, but I see so many people who come to places like this. And they find out about other things while they're traveling that they didn't know about. They didn't know was here when they were planning their trip. And they just tell me, oh, I wish I would have known about this, or I wish I would have had extra time to do this. And planning a rest day, even if you don't rest, allows you that time to do things that you didn't even know that you would want to do because you didn't even know they were here. That's an excellent point because there's always, I mean, I've traveled to over 60 countries now and there's always something that I think, oh, I wish I had another day so I could do that. Oh, I wish I had more time to do that. Oh, I wish I had found out about that, you know, that super local thing before I had even come so I could work it into my trip. And so taking a rest day to go and do those things, depending on how you feel, is it's nice to kind of have that option and to not feel like you're being rushed from place to place, like having a day where you're not going to be rushing around everywhere. You can pick one thing that you didn't know about before and go do it. And also another thing I wanted to mention that I accidentally left off my list before was this is a great day. Shabbat is a great day to go to the West Bank because it's Arab, because it's a lot of Christian sites. So Bethlehem is going to be open (laughs) on Shabbat. You can go to Jericho. You can go to the Jesus baptismal site. Those are all in the West Bank. So you're going to need a Palestinian guide for a lot of those places. So that would be a great day to just make it a West Bank day. 
Yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly what I would say too. It's a great day for Christian sites. It's a great day for sites that are in Muslim areas. It's a great day for rest. And when we say rest, we don't necessarily mean you have to lay on your bed all day. You can, I would call it more of a free day, plan a free day. You don't have to take a free day. You can find plenty of things to do, but plan a free day. Shabbat's a great time to do that. And if you find things you want to do along the way when you're there, you have the extra time and space in your itinerary, in your schedule to do those things and not miss out. Another good thing to do on Shabbat is make it your Tel Aviv day. Tel Aviv is the largest city in Israel. It's one of the most dynamic cities in the world. There's a lot to see and do there. And you can do a lot in Tel Aviv that you can't do anywhere else in Israel on Shabbat. And so if you make Shabbat your Tel Aviv day or one of your Tel Aviv days, if you're going to be there two or three days, then go to the beach on Shabbat. You can go out and have dinner. You can do a lot of things in Tel Aviv that you can't do anywhere else in the country. So that's a great time to be in Tel Aviv. Now, that's another thing too. If you want to have a completely down day, you want to have a day just for reading and laying around, watching TV, not doing much, then feel free to be in Jerusalem or be in Haifa or be somewhere else. But yeah, Tel Aviv is a great place to be on Shabbat if you want to have options at your doorstep. Even if you don't know what you want to do, it's a place where you can go walk around and you can find stuff still going on even on Shabbat. I think those are the two things, the two main points that I would make and the two biggest things I keep in mind when planning travel around Israel on Shabbat. The other big thing, Whitney mentioned this early on, is it's a great day to make your arrival day. So if you are flying from the U.S., for example, or Canada, if you're flying from North America, most of the flights there leave in the evening And then it's such a long flight that they arrive in Tel Aviv, at the airport in Tel Aviv, in the evening the next day. And so if you're taking off from the U.S. about 5, 6, 7, 8 p.m., depending on if you're coming from East Coast or West Coast, you're arriving in Israel about 5 or 6 p.m. the next day. So if you leave on a Friday, you arrive 5, 6 p.m. on a Saturday, and then you go through customs and immigration, you get off the plane, you wait for luggage, and you're exiting the airport about when Shabbat is ending. So that makes a great Travel day, leaving on Friday, if you're coming from North America, arriving in Israel on Saturday evening when Shabbat is ending. And that makes planning travel on arrival a lot easier. Have we left anything out? Anything else you want to add? Actually, two other things came to mind. If you want to know more about Shabbat, if you want to kind of experience Shabbat as a non-Jewish person, there are restaurants and some hotels that will have a Shabbat meal on Friday night. So you can go and because they do have certain foods and there are certain traditions and things that they read. And so that is something that you can do if you are interested in learning more and kind of having that experience. Another thing that I thought about was that if you're coming to Israel, most I would say most people probably are most Christians anyway, are going to Israel for faith building purposes to elevate their faith. And so if you want to take Shabbat as a day to reflect, I am, John and I are both writers. And so I I write things down like with pen and paper, like a dinosaur. And I sort of learn more from that. And so taking some time to go to the beach or go looking out at the Sea of Galilee and just like writing things down and reflecting on your trip so far, if Shabbat is in the middle or at the end of your trip, that could be a really positive experience and kind of give you time to process what you're seeing and what you've been doing throughout your trip. So either a Shabbat meal 
on Friday night could be fun or just reflecting, taking that rest day, taking that rest time to sit and reflect and write things down or talk through something with whoever you're traveling with. Those can also be really good things to do on Shabbat while you're actually there in Israel. I've actually never done that before. I didn't know that restaurants did a Shabbat experience. And I usually don't take time to sit and reflect and sit still. So I definitely <laughs> on that. You should try just, it sometime. <laughs> I can try it. And I will actually. You've just given me two more ideas for new things to do in Israel. As many times as I've been there, I've never done either one of those. So I have two things for my next trip there. Thank you, Whitney. You are so welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. We've covered everything there is to know about Shabbat and Israel, planning travel to and around Israel covering Shabbat, which is pretty much going to be any trip. It's every week. So if you're going to Israel, you really should stay longer than five or seven days. And so you're probably going to end up dealing with it. But I hope we've given you some good advice and strategies and tips on how to plan around Shabbat and how to actually maybe even incorporate it into your trip, take advantage of it. But We'll see you in the next episode of the Israel Travel Podcast. Again, your number one source of information, insights, advice, reviews, and recommendations about travel to and around Israel. And if you don't mind, by the way, if you're getting really good advice out of this, if you're finding this helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your podcast platform is. Leave us a five-star rating and leave us, please, a textual review. Tell us who you are. Introduce yourself or tell us why you found this helpful. The thing that does is, is, I promise, it's not just boosting our ego. It really helps the podcast become more prominent on the platform. It helps other people who are planning travel to Israel find the podcast, and it really boosts it up in the rankings and ratings so that it can help more and more people. And that's what we're here to do. We're trying to share our experience, our advice, our brains with everybody else out there. We've been to Israel many times. We're going to go many times more, but If you haven't been there, we want you and other people like you to be able to benefit from our experience and our advice because we love giving it. We love doing this podcast and it's really a labor of love. And so we're happy to do it. But with that, we'll say goodbye until the next episode of the Israel Travel Podcast. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 